Welcome to Painty Time, an unfocused hobby broadcast, with your hosts, Mike and Bennington. Welcome to episode two of Painty Time. I'm Bennington. I'm Mike, also known as, oh god, what's the name? Bammy Dict Epal Stack. <laughs> and I'll be Benedict something Bach. And we have a special guest today. Mike, you want to introduce our guest? Uh, yeah, we have a very special guest who is also the host of the podcast that we are trying to get into the little network of. The overlord of the Steam Powered Scoundrels Global Network Conglomerate Umbrella Corporation syncopated doug hi i'm douglas scoundrels and i ship bent whistle <laughs> that you do that makes more sense if people know my surname <laughs> Which yeah. was a... you mentioned it you mentioned it in the last episode pretty sure i think so oh you did did i okay yeah haha that was two Take weeks that. ago or however we're often we're releasing this yeah, however, Austin releasing this, it wasn't 30 <laughs> no. minutes ago. This episode recorded by live people. In Doug's basement. I have a call that explains the lack of enthusiasm in my voice. I'm excited to be here. It's just disease. Lovely, lovely disease. Our special guest, Hamlin. I kissed a rat and I liked it. <laughs> well, when you're sick, you should definitely take a drink of tea. Doug, are you drinking anything today? Yes, I've already had like a gallon of tea in me. Um, let's see. I'll 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 talk about the previous one, and uh, we'll just leave what I'm currently drinking as a surprise for the next episode. <clears throat> um, from the website, I got this tea from a local tea shop, or the only local tea shop that I freaking know of. It's a loose leaf. It's called Blue Spring Oolong. Ooh, <clears throat> one sec. The leaves for this oolong are grown at high elevations in Fujian Province, China, amidst a landscape that is home to ideal breezes and humidity for producing quality teas. The partially oxidized leaves are hand-rolled in a licorice powder, causing them to take on the appearance of small pebbles. When brewed, the liquor emerge, emits a, sweet, a delicately sweet aroma and provides a pleasantly peculiar lingering finish. This is a, perhaps the most unique oolong tea we have as an have ever experienced. I can't words. Even even uh, so, I want that in my mouth. Okay. I can send you a couple ounces. Long. I may take you up on that. It's like eleven bucks for two ounces, though. It's it's not that cheap. Oh my god! I think I think I can find. I, I am about to increase my Patreon to the Steam Powered Scoundrels by eleven dollars. Oh, <laughs> uh, sure, I'll take that. Why, why not? <laughs> um, yep, that's that's what I'm drinking. I figured we'd go with the tea theme because this is panty time. Panty time. Panty time. I'm drinking Bigelow pomegranate pizzazz. A nice herbal tea. Uh, Bigelow, I feel like their herbal teas have good hibiscus notes to them. And it's great with honey. Always On honey. a side note, fuck Lipton. We do not stand Lipton on this podcast. Go to hell, Lipton. Even if you offered us a sponsorship, like, we'd, there we'd goes probably that take brand it, deal. <laughs> and Mike, 
Are you drinking anything? Yeah, I've got the dregs of the uh, the drink from uh, not 30 minutes ago. I've also got an Earl Grey, because the classic Earl Grey is great with a British mm. accent. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm impressed that, that, that you still have, are working that tea from last week. <laughs> it's a big pot. <laughs> also, also, I just want to say that I also purchased a box of Yorkshire tea because of the spiffing Brit. Uh, apparently we're both entertained by the same thing. Yes. <laughs> so, Spiffing Brit, uh, you're welcome, and uh, you can sponsor us now. Or Yorkshire tea, I don't I, I don't care either. Yorkshire it Gold specifically. York, Yorkshire Brown yes. doesn't taste anywhere near as good. It is not the gold standard. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely good. The important question, gold. as a British person, I must ask you, Douglas, are you drinking that tea... With milk and two sugars. The Yorkshire Gold. Um, I use honey instead of sugar, sorry. The spiffing Brit is crying. But yes, that's fine. Whatever. I did put a, I did put one teaspoon of sugar in my Yorkshire Gold. I don't have a local sugar producer. I do have a local honey producer, though, so... Deal with it. At least I'm not drinking iced tea. Yeah, at least it's not Lipton. Yeah. Like, okay, personal fucking vendetta <laughs> against Lipton. One sec. The reason I hate Lipton so damn much is when I go to a restaurant and they have tea on the menu. I'm like, oh, I'll give you some tea. Give me some tea. And they just bring me a, a cup of hot water in a Lipton bag. It's so fucking disappointing. It is. Especially when you spend $2 on it. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, I forgot about the price. It's like, oh, this is two dollars. This is definitely two dollars worth of tea. Oh yeah, definitely that that five cent tea bag That's... did dollar ninety five upcharge right there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm done complaining about a particular brand. <laughs> so it's time for the Malifaux minute, where we talk about Malifaux. Malifaux, what's that? So, Doug, do you know about Malifaux at all? <clears throat> um, doctor gave me a cream for it. I think. Hear that? McMorning is now giving out prescriptions. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Pulls out chainsaw, take two of these. <laughs> so, uh, today I had the idea, let's create the next two nightmare boxes um, that will be uh, dueling each other. They'll share a theme. Uh, what two masters or boxes do you guys think would be a, a fun uh, to fight with each other? Uh, I can go first if uh, you guys still are working on that thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on shit posting. Okay. So, I had the idea that, um, and the great thing about this is they're both dual faction boxes, so that's four factions. And uh, I know Neverborn fans will be disappointed because they don't get nightmare boxes that often. So, I had the idea that. Captain Supersonic Zip should fight Charles Dr. Robotnik Hoffman. <laughs> mm, I hate that I like that. <laughs> it's so bad it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Just just imagine the cap the first mate would be Knuckles. Yeah. Yeah. I have no argument to that. Absolutely. Um Earl Burns would clearly be Tails. And then, uh... 
the three uh, Iron Skeeters would be the uh, E100 series of robots that betrayed Robotnik. Mm. What am I... I'm drawing a blank on Sonic characters, surprisingly enough. <laughs> Wait, where's where's Shadow the Hedgehog? Oh, oh darn. Shadow. Okay, so... Who's, which one of these guys is wielding guns? Uh, that'd probably be, um... Uh, the mechanical attendant, that can be Shadow. Wrong crew. Oh no, Dr. Robotnik's same universe. Yeah, Shadow, yeah, Shadow once Shadow, worked for Eggman. Shadow for... Yeah, loose. In episode thirty-four of the Sonic comic. Oh yeah, so for like half of a game, he's a bad guy, and then he just ends up being, you know, the trench coat wearing antihero for the rest of the existence of the Sonic verse. But fine, he can he can be on the bad guy team. That's fine. Or we could, you know, I I would kind of be happy if he was Macho Roja too. Yeah. Or uh, Bert Jepsen. Ooh, even better. There we go. There's the gun. Bert Jepsen, make Machiro high, Miros. Yes. <laughs> Who's Gracie? Big the cat. You know... <laughs> you know, this segment might just have to be discussing this, because this is a gold mine. <laughs> I'd rather not, no. <laughs> uh, can, the through, can you tie in with Through the Breach? Because um, you've got those multi-part plastic kits... And you can create your own OC. Please don't. Please don't. No one steal it. <laughs> no, we do not need Donut Steal to be in this. Comes with a little Pikachu tail. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, why did I allow you guys to do this again? <laughs> yeah, this is your fault. <laughs> this is my fault. This is 100% my fault. So, like, I can, I can imagine, now that you've said... Now you've started me on the comic, on the like cartoon character uh, journey. I don't know who the other crew would be, but uh, Dreamer Nightmare Crew, because Neverborn definitely need another another Nightmare Crew. I think you know where this is going. Uh, Ash Ketchum. No. Ash Ketchum. No. Ash Ketchum. <laughs> no. Okay, if we're doing that, then uh, the Asami box needs to be one of the protagonists from Digimon. Oh yeah. The Victoria's a Team Clearly, Rocket. That, the Victoria's a Team Rocket. I'm... Right. Yes, there we go. Okay. Done. We're done. Oh, that would fucking make Taylor <laughs> Robert that, wouldn't it? Yep. Oh, yes. Student of Conflict is now Meowth. <laughs> ah, I hate this. So oh much. my god, <laughs> Chompy Bits is Snorlax. Oh yeah, absolutely. What's Lady Yume, then? Oh, Nurse Joy. <laughs> you actually have a healing character in the nightmare keyword, but okay. I was I was thinking more about the rule thirty four crowd. To be quite honest, <clears throat> do, do we need to give them more thought? <laughs> they can take care of themselves. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're they're fine. They're fine. They don't need help. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Doug. It's up to you to come up with a. Much better concept. Okay, uh, you outcast players, uh, lucky you because it's a double outcast box. Uh, first up, you have the Victorias, uh, but they're not the Victorias. They are they are small children that go by the name of Hansel and Gretel. Um, the rest of the mercenary keyword is just fairy tale uh, 
characters for the most part. Uh, I want Taylor to be a very surly Red Riding Hood, if at all possible. Um, and just fill in however you want. The whole point of the mercenary keyword is, is a bunch of person loud personalities amongst them. And who are they facing off? But not the witch with the house made of candy. She's dead. Right. They ate her. Um, yeah, no, no. Although that's another good idea for a concept. But another person that uh, prefers to deceive children with candy, and this is Hamelin. Uh, but instead of Hamelin... Uh, he looks like Gene Wilder in a purple suit. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this oh, is Hansel no. and Gretel versus oh, Willy Wonka. Problematic, but go on. <laughs> but the nice thing, okay, so like the rats, the, the, instead of rats, they're Oompa Loompas, right? I thought you were going to say the stolen would be Oompa Loompas, but yeah, no, that makes more sense. Are the stolen, like, the kids? Yeah, we'll we'll go with the stolen or the the um the the bad children. The rat catchers would be like uh, their parents. Yes. Yeah. See, you guys oh, are doing it they, for me. Because when the children get in trouble, the umpalumpas come to, to come to collect them. Oh, it makes yeah. so yeah. much sense. They, yeah. Where do you think he gets all the umpalumpas? It's the bad children just get turned into umpalumpas. It's horrifying. You're welcome. Beautiful, but horrifying. Yeah, you put the you really put the nightmare yeah. in nightmare box. You're welcome. Thank you. I initially thought this was going to be come up with a new title box, and I was like, "Oh, this is easy. We'll do Dreamer, and we'll do Lynch, and the shared model will be a sleep paralysis demon." <laughs> well, you've given us a topic for a future mouthful minute. You're welcome. It's all about sharing. Yay! Yay! Yay. We notice I haven't said anything about Arcanist yet. <laughs> Let's talk about some hobby stuff this episode. Something we don't do often, like. No. Um, Did you... Here, qu- question. Yeah. First episode. Did you ever ex- explain what the goal of your podcast is? We have a goal? Oh, darn. Do we? I mean, not having a goal is also a goal. That's kind of what Steam Powered Scoundrels <laughs> is, just to be a hot mess. Well, I think our goal is also to be a hot mess. But uh, okay. I personally would love to see more minis painted. Painting more minis. Okay. I think that's a pretty good goal for us. Right, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm just here because I'm a massive egoist. So this is this is all about me. <laughs> Welcome to the Mike Show. <laughs> Yeah. Mike in the morning buzz. <laughs> I am drinking way too much tea. This is not going to end well for me. <laughs> Think of yeah, I'd love to see so a hop- people get their uh, hobby on. So yeah, a hobby podcast, yeah. somewhat centered around Malifo, but not necessarily Malifo. <laughs> we, we also <laughs> we also complain about forty k. Yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about forty k yet this episode. So, should we get back to the episode then? <laughs> no. Is, what? There's a topic? Yeah. Yes. Welcome back. We have a topic for this episode. So, uh, I wanted to ask and talk about color theory versus just going for it. So, our special guest here, Doug, recently has painted a couple miniatures. I think there were about six of them. That were absolutely vibrant and beautiful and bold. And I thought 
it'd be great to uh, pick Doug's mind and find out a little bit about um, how you got that paint scheme. Okay. We can, we can do that. Let me pull up my photograph so I can remember stuff. Um, okay. Well, I will always go for vibrant colors if I can get away with it. Because a lot of miniature games I see, it tends to be more realistic colors, a little bit more drab. And I find that boring. Because there's enough stuff in real life that's drab and boring. I just want stuff that pops and is pleasant to look at. So I'll go for just just a barf of colors if I can. And this box is Ten Thunders, which I would consider to be probably the faction that can get away with the most colors uh, compared to everyone else. Um, so this is Yanlo. This is the Yanlo core box. Um, so let's talk. Th let's talk things I like to do. Me personally, I like to have. The faction color as um, something that stands out on the master. So Yanlo is two factions. He's Ten Thunders and he's Resurrectionist. So in that case, that has basically decided that he needs to have orange and green on him. Um, so he's got like a, a shirt and kind of a tattered skirt thing going on. And that ended up being the orange because I figured that it would be brighter up top the closer you got to his head and the sort of underlying skirt thing he has on is green and to also supplement that the magical effects and the ribbon on his staff are also green. Um, after that I realized that I need a few other colors to stand out on his model so I ended up painting the sort of ribbony things on his outfit a uh, red and an additional, I have no freaking idea what it is, a third, t a second skirt, tabard thing, whatnot, end up being teal. Anyways, it's a, it's just a shit ton of colors, but it, it looks nice. I yeah, think it, it looks, looks really nice. well. Did you um pick out all those colors at once, or was it like a process where after you did a few things, you flowed into other colors, or? um With... Specifically, Yan Lo. Um, as long as you keep colors roughly the same sort of vibrancy and theme, you can mix and match them quite a bit. Um, it only it takes a little bit for it to end up looking like color vomit, but not in this case. So the red is a pretty f strong red. The orange is a strong orange. The green is is probably the darkest one on there, but the highlights are also pretty bold and the 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 magical effects are a bright, almost green-yellow. Um, but I've made sure that the green and the orange look good together. That was the one thing. Those are the main colors. And if those clash, then it doesn't matter what else you're putting on top of it. Um, the accent stuff, you can kind of get away with a lot, depending. Uh, okay. And then he's got, like old man gray hair and i went for like a very almost old leathery flesh tone on him um because he's old did i mention that yandlo is not a teenager oh yeah at one point i think did you mention you underpaint your skin or you start off with a non non-flesh color uh it really depends on what i'm going for 
If you want a normal, healthy-looking skin, you need to have a base coat that is some sort of red, tan, warm color. Something akin to skin. If you want it to be, like, undead flesh or ethereal, then you can go for a colder color uh, or gray, um, which will just sort of sap a lot of life out of it. Um, assuming you're putting on top of it something that isn't completely mm -hmm. opaque. But uh, for Yan Lo, for the skin tone for him, and um, especially the Soul Porter, I added just a tiny bit of blue to my regular flesh tones. Um, now, that's also one way you can kind of work flesh tones into being a bit more of an Asian flesh tone, but if you overdo it, which is why I accidentally did, I didn't initially know how to do this, but if you add a little too much blue, then it gets uh, very uh, dead, really. Yeah, very cold purple. Um, I mean, it still kind of has, it's almost a burlap, mm. a burlap flesh tone. Like, you look at it and it's like, that's not healthy skin, but I don't know what's quite wrong with it. Which could be what you're going for in some cases. Yeah. Um, I mean, do, I, do you want me to go down the different models we got? And just talk shit through. I think it's mainly about uh, the yep. color, the color choices you've you've gone with to get that vibrancy. Yeah. Okay. Um, for like general color theory for vibrant colors, uh, your undertones, your ba your shadowed colors, and your highlights cannot be chosen or mixed with black and white. If you want to brighten up a color, you don't add white to it, because that just turns it into a pastel version of itself. Um, kind of same thing with, with black. Adding white or black to a paint is going to suck the color out of it, so what you need to do is you need to understand what the darker version of that color looks like, which is sometimes a different color completely. Um, so, like, the, the green flame I use for is magical effect. The, the very, like, base of it... The brightest part is actually just yellow. Because if you brighten green up enough, it will eventually turn yellow. And then the color surrounding it is what makes look makes it look like it's just a very bright green. Um, same thing with orange. A dark orange is, if you add, like, brown to it, you're going to get a dirtier orange. A more kind of realistic or fields, like, dusty orange, but if you want a vibrant orange, you're going to put red as the dark color. And same thing, orange will eventually go up to yellow if you brighten it up high enough. Um, red, something similar, a bright enough red will turn into orange, so you highlight with orange on reds, and your under your dark tone can be... I usually go for a maroon, that works, that works pretty well. Um, the darker colors are a little bit easier because I find that a lot of paint ranges uh they have a lot more options for your dark colors so it's you have a better chance of being able to buy the darker and lighter versions of the color you want as opposed to mixing them yourself um just be a little bit careful because any sort of mixing uh blue into purple or purple into blue will sometimes turn it into that other color which is a little weird unless you want it to look like that i've definitely experienced that oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's the general color theory that I go with. Okay. Again, I just try to make it as pop as much as possible for the most part. 
Um, if you want to go with theming with the box, um, there is, I try to have at least one color that shows up in all of the models that kind of ties them together. And it'll usually be like either an accent color or, um, a tertiary color. By like an accent color is something that you want to stand out as like, oh, hey, this is here. This is a different color. Uh, what I mean by a tertiary color is just something needs to be a different color and you don't necessarily want it to stand out, but there's enough of it on the model. Um, so in this case, it's, it's, it's a light tan. I, th I use scale 75. The color is, uh, Irico, I believe is what it's called. Yeah. And it's, it's the color I use for the not purple red mix for the Gokudo. It's on the, uh, sash and face mask of the Soul Porter. Um, it's on the tassels of Yan Lo. It's on the ropes that bind, uh, Izamu's lay, uh, leg armor as well as the rope around his waist. Um, so that, that just kind of, that little bit of tying it together can bring the whole keyword, or in this case, the core box, together as a more of a theme. Because they don't have a lot of similar colors outside of that one. It's just the the accent color and, as well, the fact that everyone's just really kind of bright as fuck. I didn't go for, like, a super bright on the on Izamu's armor just because... Um, I'm not entirely sure I can make armor be a super bright color and still look like armor. So instead I went with a different, fancier route, which is Victoria's got some lovely color-changing paint. Um, so that is actually like a greenish-purple color-changing paint over it, which makes them very shiny and pretty. Because uh, Azama needs to be fabulous, we all know this. And he's got the, the lovely green flame coming out of his face, which really pumps up the brightness along with... All of the uh, the tassel on his big sword thing, his banner, the things coming out of his helmet, and the tabard on the back. Uh, all this very vibrant red, which also kind of ties in with Yanlo's red. Yeah, you've done a really good job with that Izamu, especially considering it's, there's so little green on it, and yet it ties perfectly together with everyone else. <clears throat> oh yeah. Uh Yay. Sorry. That was an absolutely beautiful piece. It kind of... Um, I Everything in that just ties in so well. Um, do you... Um, do you ever find yourself um, starting with, like, one set of colors you want to use and then just throwing it out the window for something else midway through? Uh, depends on how far I get. The I guess the nice thing is that usually you can adjust a color to better fit with everything else on the model. Adding something to it, making it more brown or more vibrant or darker or lighter, um, will usually eventually bring it into a color palette that matches. Because what you really don't want to do is start over because you could possibly hurt the model stripping the paint off, and you don't want to add a whole bunch of layers to a point where you start losing detail. So it's a, it's a bit of a risk, but... Uh, something I would suggest is to not use the Citadel method of painting, which is how I originally learned to paint models. 
And that's with starting with kind of your darkest color, the base coat, and then building up as you go. That doesn't work for Malifaux models because you don't have as much open space. So the vast majority of the model is actually going to be your mid-tone. And it saves you a bunch of time, so I suggest you go with the mid-tone, which is the color you want the model to be. Or you want that part of the model to be. So if I want a vibrant orange, my mid-tone is going to be orange. So at some point I will be adding like yellow to it to a point where I might be highlighting in yellow. But regardless of how much, as long as I don't highlight a whole ton, it's always going to look orange. And that way, once you've got your mid-tone on all of the pieces, you can look at the model and say, yes, this is the colors I want. Or no, this doesn't work. Let me change the color. But if you start with the the base coat, the darker colors, sometimes you don't realize the clash until you get like halfway through your paint job. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, painting the mid-tone is definitely something I've been learning the last two years. Just starting there, darkening, highlighting. It's, it saved oh, it's me so, so much time. So much better. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, that's something I need to try to relearn to do because I have been, admittedly, starting with my darkest colors and then just layering up from that. Yeah, I, I think it just sort of feels weird to paint shadows. Like I think GW just tells you that the wash will do that for you. Mm. Um, like I, I admit, most people come into minis games through a Games Workshop game. It's the biggest one. It's the most popular. It's not the best minis game. I think we can all agree on that. But the likelihood of them learning how to paint through their method, too, is very likely. So it's just something you got to unlearn. It works okay on GW models because they're bigger with, I don't want to say less detail, but, I mean, have you seen a Space Marine? Yeah, I mean, weirdly, when I was painting up Blood Bowl um, as a commission recently... Uh, it's the first GW miniatures I've painted in quite a while, and it's weird to think, as I'm painting it, that it's built to be painted in a certain way. It's built mm-hmm. to be edge highlighted. The other th- one of the big differences with the Games Workshop models to Weird is the Games Workshop uses what's called heroic scale, where um, Weird miniatures use true proportioning. Uh, Games Workshop mm-hmm. models have bigger hands, feet, weapons, and heads. Yeah. to what they should be, to make those more uh, visible. I feel like that affects it a bit, too. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, something you said, Doug, about uh, taking colour out with white and black. Uh, you saw my <laughs> Molly crew that I did um, recently. Uh, that was the entire theme of it. Was um, It was supposed to be a saturate, uh, desaturated... Uh, dull pirate theme, uh, mm-hmm. kind of looking like they're in a, a pale moonlight and everything was very pastel and all the magical effects weren't so much glowing as sucking the colour out of the surroundings. So uh, as you get to highlights or anywhere that there's light, it just turns to pure white. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did, was just added white. Um, but every single colour I put onto the miniature, no matter what I used, and I used a wide array of colours. I didn't plan it out ahead of time or anything. Um, but every colour I did use, I added the same grey. It was the same I think it was uh, Viejo gr- uh, Cold Grey Game Air. And I added the same amount to every co- to every colour. Um, and then as I'm highlighting, I added the same white. And as I'm darkening, I'm using uh, Null Oil as the only wash over everything. 
uh, and I did that before highlighting, which I would never do under normal circumstances, but it just made the shadow exactly the same for every miniature. It made the highlight the same, and it just sucked the colour out. It was... It worked. Uh, what do you think about just, you know, the other part of colour theory, which is just going for it, not planning ahead, uh, just looking at a miniature, looking at your paints and going, I'll wing it. Some people naturally have an eye for matching colours. Um, I guess the only way to really figure that out is doing something that involves just picking out colours randomly. Um, at the very least, hold up the ones you intend on using to each other and seeing if they mm -hmm. go together. Uh, another option is to just look up uh, palettes online, color uh, different themes, um, <clears throat> like like pick pick what your like main color is going to be. Just search that color in palette online, and you usually get like swatches for stuff. Usually, the, the internet thinks you're trying to like design a room yeah. of your house but that same theory works for miniatures yeah i've, I've done that as well i quite like <clears> it generate <throat> random colors sometimes they let you just choose a color and stick with it while it generates other things around it i quite mm -hmm. like those sometimes it's it's hard to find something that goes with all the colors you want to use like that that erico i use that that goes with just about every color um Decent browns and some grays and a few blues are ones that go with a lot of stuff. Um, if, if you're an idiot like me and that has to, like, every single minion has to have their own defining color, um, it can get busy a little bit. <laughs> like those, uh, those Gokudo, there's, there's the, there's the red Gokudo, the purple Gokudo, and the maroon Gokudo. Um, my machinist I see up there on the, uh, cabinet. There's a green, a yellow, and another purple, and I'm going to paint all their overalls kind of a uh, really uh, like a petroleum gray. Yeah. Ooh, that'll be nice. Like, like the the colors aren't are vibrant. They're more muted. I'm going for a slightly more realistic approach with my EVS crew, uh, but still like colorful. Hmm. I have no idea I'm gonna, what I'm going to do with uh, Calypso. I've got so many ideas in my head for that. Uh, Calypso is one of those models that I feel like if I was left alone in a hobby store, I'd buy five copies of that model just to paint multiple variations. Um, uh, Ivy, uh, they want to uh, paint the Malasaurus three times. <laughs> so we might be buying two more Malasauruses at one point. So... Uh, any Monster Hunter fans out there, one of the color schemes that they want to paint it is the Anginant, which is a red and gray Tyrannosaurus Rex, for those who don't know. But the thing is, across mm. its back, it has a spiky mohawk of fur. It's a really cool fire-breathing okay. T-Rex. Uh, for my Rex, which is a big project that I'm still not ready to tackle... Uh, first up, the color scheme is basically going to be Vaporwave. <laughs> yes. Um, but also, I'm going to green stuff a helmet onto it and make a skateboard. Perfect. It's going to be the Radical Rex. Nice. Yeah, for the yeah. Star Wars Legion stuff I painted up recently, I, my initial plan was to go in with bisexual lighting, 
So it was going to be the purple pink grass from below, uh, like glowing. And then from above, it was going to be this dark blue, uh, like just spraying an ink essentially from the top. And you're just going to have this blue into pink inspired by bisexual lighting, which I. If you're. Pe- if you're pay- uh, like you bring up white, never ever 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 paint. Try to paint white with just like gray white, Mm-mm. gray and white. No, it's just not going to like the, the thing is, is the white is so reflective. It's just going to either be corrupted by corrupted by something or reflect color from its natural mm-hmm. surroundings. So what you do is you add a little bit of color to everything but the highest layer. Uh, and try to get that white to be reflective of the model, reflective of the environment. So, um, the easiest thing is if you want a clean white, use blue. Mm. Um, people naturally seem to associate blue with cleanliness. It's, it's a cold color. Um, if you want to dirty it up, you can actually go with just a little bit of tan. I've seen greens used. Uh, to decent effect, um, even just a little bit of red is is interesting. It's hard to get your eyes to portray it as white, but you can do it. Hmm. That makes a lot uh, of sense. And sometimes that's sometimes that's easy enough to to just have your primer slash base coat be the color, the the influencing color, and then continue on with uh, your semi opaque weights, and that'll come through. Um, easier to do with an airbrush, though. Many things are easier with an airbrush, I have to admit. <laughs> that is some really good tips. Thank you, Doug. Welcome. I'm definitely going to listen to this uh, episode a couple times. Maybe I'll take notes. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if someone has an example of only using gray and white to paint white, and it looks like white, uh, please show me. I've never really gotten it to work. It just re- always registers as gray yeah, in my 100%. head. Mm. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. So it's like, White does reflect what's around it. Uh, that reminds me, a while back, I um, was in a parking lot because I was going to paint up some stormtroopers with the traditional white color. I ran around and took a bunch of pictures of white cars. And the thing is, it was a very gray, cloudy, rainy day. And that day, the whites did have some gray tones to it. But I did the same on a different day. And uh, the whites definitely were reflecting like the trees that were around them. So, some and sometimes depending on what you, the environment and when to put the model in, you can use literally no. There is no straight white on the model, and it still comes off as white. Mm. The best the best example I have is is like a moonlight. Like if if you're doing a model that is on a moonlit night with no additional light sources, that's never going to be straight white. Mm-mm. It's going to be a very light blue at the at the brightest, but it's never going to be straight white. Yep. But if everything is colored correctly, your brain will be like, "Oh, that's that's moonlight, and that that's the color white." To an, to a slightly lesser extent, black can be hard as well. Um, just adding a little too much gray to it will make it gray in your brain. Um, surprisingly enough, a decent amount of miniature painting and color theory is tricking your brain into believing a color is a different color. Um. I find that mostly I will go with a very, very dark teal to highlight my blacks as opposed to gray, and that tends to do a slightly better job. Hmm. That makes sense. Dark browns probably work for a dirtier model yeah. as well. Browns go, browns go with a lot of stuff. 
there's so much brown in the natural world, your eyes have a good, have a pretty decent ability to sort of filter that out and not register as brown. Mm. I'll see if I can picture, find a picture of my Darth Maul that I painted up, because that was, I used every, every tip you just gave there, I used all of them at the same time. Uh, he nice. had, I think, three different blacks on him. On the cloak, I used grey to highlight, but I did a crosshatch to make it look like a kind of very dark grey um, fab- fabric. Uh, mm-hmm. In the boots and leather, I went black and highlighted up with a uh, like a cold brown. Um, and then the rest of the cloak, I used blue or dark navy. And they all read as black when you look at it, but they look like different articles of clothing. Mm-hmm. And that was purely by accident. I didn't plan to do that either. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's a lot more effort and dedication I'm usually willing to put into a model. I would just put them in different colors, <laughs> personally. <laughs> but you've, you've seen my the Yanlo crew. I was just like, I am addicted to bright colors. I'm addicted to different colors. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely love... Um, bright colours. I love painting vibrant. It's so good, which was why it was such a weird project to go for that Molly crew that was desaturated. So I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. And I went straight back to uh, vibrant. Yeah. I, I'm still not entirely sure what I'm going to do to buy my own personal flair on the um, the Dua Umbra crew. Uh, I think you should instead do like everyone's lights and uh, bright colours. <laughs> reverse, reverse shadows yeah. I actually want to uh, that reminds me from when I get around to painting the hungering darkness I actually want to ha- try to do that where I'm reversing it or all the recesses in the underside of the model is bright and the further away you get from that like the highlights I want those to be like dark soul crushing blacks get you some black 2.0 black 3.0 yeah by the time I get around to Hungering Darkness, they'll probably be on Black 5.0. Anish Kapoor is still not allowed to buy it, though. No. <laughs> That's nice to talk theory. It makes me feel smart. <laughs> I haven't been able to paint a whole ton, so that Yanlo crew is me getting back into it. Yeah, sometimes that's all it takes. I think posting up pictures is the best way to get motivation. But, hey, there could be another topic as well. Yeah, I had a, I had a YouTube video tell me that I need to post more pictures, so... Yeah, it's the best way. Absolutely. Discord emojis are drugs. We need some emoji miniatures. Right. Corner Kit. Corner Kiss is the, the channel. Hi, if you're listening to this. Oh, Deck. Deck will listen to this. I'll make him. Mm-hmm. Deck will listen to this. Yeah. Hi, Deck. Hello. So, thank you very much. That was a, that was a lot of good information. Yay. I'm glad, glad you got something out of it. <laughs> Tons. And I think our listeners will love having it. Yeah. I haven't really talked shop since I did that one, like, solo episode where I tried to talk uh, hobby stuff. That was an episode I really loved. Oh, okay. I'm just repaid the same crap here. (laughs) But on a different show, so it's it's new. Yay. Everything is new again. So, speaking of new, hobby news. For people, um, especially people who like building their own terrain, um, uh, as of when we're recording this, uh, uh, YouTuber Black Magic Crafter um, 
announced and put out a link for a web store that they're that he's associated with um he has his own brand of xps foam now that is uh miniature and hobbies grade which uh, has been something that's really hard to get a hold of in uh the north america region so that's something really exciting yeah i mean in the uk it's like it, i've always found it really difficult to find xps foam uh that's in you know miniature level quantities if you want to buy it you're spending hundreds of pounds buying you know f- many many feet of it which is great if you're building a board yeah but it's expensive absolutely um i know there is a uh, german company i'd have to look up their name we can uh, maybe plug that on the next uh episode uh, i don't have it in front of me right now but there's a german company that makes uh hobby grade uh foam also i am uh Black Magic Crafter always spoke very highly of that one when he couldn't get a hold of the one he's using now. Um, his is pretty cheap. I looked at the prices. Um, one that I think I'll get, it was four inches by five inches by uh, foot. There's only $14 for that piece. Oh, that's good. I actually plan on getting some myself to uh, use to make mold uh, masters so I can make molds for uh, ice pillars. I'm going to use carve those up, uh, make silicon molds, and then uh, cast them in uh, some clear resin and uh, hit them with blue inks. That sounds amazing. Do you, uh, do you plan on doing any terrain in the future, Doug? Um, making, hand-making? No, no, I buy that. I can barely find time to do hobby stuff, painting my miniatures, so... Um, like right now I'm just finishing up my wild west board, um, all the stuff on that, um, buildings, fences, uh, a cart and other stuff is from wild west exodus, the, the oh, red yeah, oak uh, series. war cradle, Xenix. war cradle. There we go. Yep. Those guys. Uh, so I'm painting those. So I'm still putting some effort into it. Mm-hmm. And then I have a few like desert rocks and, uh, Victoria actually made some cactuses for me. Oh, cool. Uh, you'll have to talk to her sometime about that. Sometime. So we got some got some lovely hazardous terrain. Um, then I, I will eventually want to do a uh, Streets of Malifaux board. Right now I use the mat. See, I can't... I've got my mats for Mats by Mars. I pick a sort of biome or whatnot. From that, and then I'm decide I'm going to build a board for each of those. So I've got like an overgrown cobbles mat, which ended up being my graveyard board, which is done. Um, got a sort of deserty, blasted wasteland mat, which is my Wild West board, and then I got uh, cobbled streets, which right now is where I put my plastic crafts um, carnival stuff ah. on. But eventually I want it to be more of like a, a, a Streets of Malifaux, so like actual buildings, um, street vendors, coaches, maybe like a fountain, shit like that. Uh, basically I want it to be kind of like my Tony's home turf board. going to be a long time before I can finish that. There's never enough time to hobby. I forget who said it, but one person once wisely said, um, hobbying is 95% thinking about hobbying percent actually painting yeah sounds about right just gonna make most of that five percent 
Exactly. I forget I'm on Big Gay Vix. <laughs> I got commissioned to do the Vix title model. And so, uh, with the permission of the commissioner, the, the big swooshy effect on that model is just going to be a big-ass rainbow. Beautiful. I just need to get it finished by the end of June so that it can be in theme. Hmm. Monica will be happy. Now I've got to redo my Vix. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that? Buy more Vic boxes. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This seems like a good episode. It is. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad glad to be of service. Here's to a whole bunch of episodes that you guys get to enjoy yourselves, chit-chat, and be useful to the community. So, best of luck. Thanks. Best of luck, you too, Doug. Let's get another 357 episodes of Steam Powered Scoundrels also. Where, where did that number come from? The future. I have no clue. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, another, so let's go out to the website. So, uh, that will be a total of 463 episodes. I can do that, probably. A nice even number to round it off at. <laughs> only, it only took me five years to get to 100, so... <laughs> oh, you'll own Malifaux by then. You'll have a chance to just buy the property. Uh, <laughs> that'd be nice to have that amount of income, but, um, unlikely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Happy painting. Is that, is that your send off? You say happy painting? Yeah. Happy painting, everyone. You heard it here first. What? Enjoy your delicious paint water. <laughs> we can't have a cold close as well. I'm I'm what I, what I what you guys need to promise is that if you get out to a hundred episodes, you need to brew a pot of tea with no. paint water. Absolutely, no. yes. Do it, do it, you coward. If we get to a hundred episodes, I will paint a space marine only using Citadel paints. Oh Ew. no! Just just dunk them. Give just me the dunk paint them in water. Pots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye, everyone.